Uh, his big question was revolving around snacks and food, of course. It's a good so, question. Food, snacks, water. I know you guys said you know that you guys got kind of a center of operation for all the different stages. But what's going to be available for people, and what should we put in our backpack? You know, other than lunch and and the normal stuff. So I totally misunderstood you. I thought you said sat, sex and food, not snacks. Oh, <laughs> I heard the same it's thing. Advanced Janet. thirteen year old. Food, food, <laughs> snacks, and water. <laughs> all right. okay. That makes way more sense. Uh, welcome back to Shoot Hunt Podcast. I'm Ryan Avery. I'm with Jake Mushaney. It's Mushaney. Today on the show, we have two guests. We have Tad Anderson and Pete. Pete, I'm going to let you say your last name because I keep messing it up. Knipe. Knipe, but let the man say it. That was oh, yeah. part of the joke. <laughs> oh, you, he ruins my jokes. My, my mother doesn't even know how to pronounce it anymore. Oh, shit. Knipe. Knipe. It's K-N-E-L-P? No, it's I. I-P. I-P. Sorry, I write it down as L. I went to school in Idaho. You have to forgive me. It's not Kelp. At this point, just take liberties as you will. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys c- coming on the show. Um, if for the guy, people that don't know out there, these guys run the Night Force ELR Steel Challenge. It's held in Wyoming. It's held in June, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. We signed up, but Jake did all that, so I'm just guessing it's in June. And they are here to tell us a little bit how to, basically, I wanted to get them on personally, kind of selfishly to say, hey, what's the cheat code? How can me and Jake come and win? But I don't know if they'll uh, delve into the information of letting well, that out. I don't think they have a lot to do with you winning. It comes down to shooting good. Well, if you show them enough greenbacks, you can you can pretty much. Do. Oh, they're gonna move you up in the practice score rankings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like back on Mortal, when you're playing Mortal Kombat on Nintendo, and you had like that 15, you got to do yeah. back, back, forward, forward, ABC, and then then the kill thing yeah. happens. Hey, Biden won. Anything is possible with computers. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, saw a guy on stage twenty last year yell, "Finish him." Nice. Nice. That's Mortal Kombat right there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'll jump into the first question that Jake wrote for me. <laughs> He's my handler. <laughs> uh, background of the competition. How to get started. So uh, a little history on that. Um, when I started shooting PRS style matches, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, um, I was working for a ranch and I was trying to think of, you know, different things that I can do. And, and I thought about, you know, I'd, I'd attended a couple matches and I thought, man, I'd maybe want to try my hand at, at hosting one of these things, but I had no way to know, you know, how to even get started. Um, so I reached out to the precision rifle series at that time and they put me in touch with Scott Satterley and uh, Scott came out and uh, he said, told me a little bit about kind of this dream that he had for kind of like a PRS style match on steroids for a lack of better way to describe it. Um, he explained to me that, you know, most venues around the country, there's not a lot of opportunity to shoot much past seven, 800 yards. Um, every now and then, you know, you get some, some places where you can shoot a little bit further, but by and large, they're, they're all relatively close range as far as, is uh, 
you know, long range matches are concerned. Um, so I took him around the ranch and we kind of dreamt up this course of fire, um, where our average target distance was somewhere around 1200 yards. Hmm. Um, we had a unique area to do this where, you know, we're probably shooting 275, 280 degrees. Um, so you might, you know, you're going to experience every vector of wind that you can imagine all in the same day. Um, and so we, we kind of dreamt this match up and we put it together and been running it with Scott ever since. And then Scott moved out of country and uh, asked Pete and I to take over. So and what, what year did this start? Short history of it. Uh, it would have been 2014 probably. And so is the competition still held at the same ranch that you're referring to now? It is not. No, we've, we've since changed venues and it's now on a ranch, uh, east of Casper, uh, owned by Casey Tillard, the Tillard 55 ranch. Okay. And, and when did that change happen? How many, how many competition years have been held there? This will be the fourth, I think. Is that right? Yep. Pete? Yep. Okay. Fourth year. Yeah, I shot this and I shot it. I've only shot one competition in my whole life, and it was this competition in 2019. And it was when uh, okay. Scott was still there. I was just trying to figure out mm-hmm. if it's the same ranch that it was then, but it sounds like maybe that was the last year at the place I was at. And maybe now it's moving now. Possibly so. If you shot at the, the other one that was south of Casper, that was mm-hmm. probably the last year. Yeah, it was. It was quite the, it was probably about hour, 15 minutes, or hour and a half or so to get from Casper at the hotel to the actual ranch, if I remember right. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that was the last last year it was there. there. Got it. How many shooters showed up the first year? The first year? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, 40. Mm. (laughs) It was, it was like any, anything, you know, trying to get started. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was a tough first couple of years. Um, but word got out and, uh, it's just grown exponentially ever since. What what was that Um, called? Where are we at? Where are we at? Pete? I was just going to ask Pete where we're 270 people, I think, signed up in wow. 20, 24 hours, I think. I had, uh, we'd opened up 240 registrations just because that's about, that's about what we can do on 20 stages and still keep people moving in a timely manner. Uh-huh. And of those 240 spots, there are 31 or 34 teams right now. So it's about 270 shooters. So we have we have quite a few questions that are kind of I guess logistical in nature. So with with 240 250 shooters running around there, there's going to be quite that's going to be quite the mission to get guys moving like you said, keep everything moving and functioning properly. So from a, you know, like I said Ryan and I basically are completely inexperienced when it comes to competition. Um tell us just about I mean, are are you allowed to camp on site? Are there hotels local? I mean, just walk us through from a very fresh competition shooter's perspective, what to expect, you know, from the moment they get there Friday morning, you know, where are you going to stay? Who's driving around? How are we getting from A to B from stage to stage? Just give us kind of a general walkthrough and you might hit on, you know, quite a bit of our questions we have listed out. Sure. Um, Pete, chime in any chance you think you need to, but um, basically lodging is primarily in Casper. Uh, there are a few, or I guess there's one hotel, I think, in Glenrock, which would be the next town closer. Um, but Casper is going to be your closest town with all the major restaurants, hotels, all the, the nicer accommodations. But Glenrock does have some spots. And what's the drive um, like from Casper couple, to get there? 
Uh, it takes about 45 minutes. It's closer than the, than the previous venue, but, um, it, it does take, it takes almost the same time. Okay. Um, just the, the way that where it's located and where it's at. Is there any, is it, um, is it an option to camp on the ranch at all with a tent or whatever? There, there's not, there's not, but there are a couple campgrounds in Glenrock that were close. Okay. And so from Glenrock, it's probably about a half hour. Okay. Yeah, Glenrock's what eighteen miles or something like that, and it's a fairly, it's a slow moving road. Yeah. Okay. But, Interesting. And then there's what there's like there's an RV park there too, and there Ted. The, yeah, there's uh, a couple of them. There's uh, I forget the names of them. I think one Deer is Creek. the Deer Creek Campground. Okay. And then there's one other one. I don't recall what it is. They're both pretty nice campgrounds. Um, I don't know what they cost or charge to to camp, but but those are some options. And there's probably for the guys that are a little more DIY, so to speak, there are some, probably some uh, BLM spots that they could throw a tent or something if they wanted to, but they'd have to kind of research some of that information on their own. Okay. Can you kind of take us through the logistics of the days, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what happens when people show up? What's the start times look like? What's the finishing time look like? Sure. Uh, so sign-in will start on Friday morning, and I think we started last year around 9 or 10. Um, I suspect it will be similar to this this year as it was last year. Typically uh, what happens is you tell people that we're going to start signing at 10, so they start showing up about 6. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. They're excited, baby. <laughs> I don't know if you want if they think there's going to be a line or <laughs> they just, you know, obviously a lot of people travel, so they got nothing better to do with their day anyway than to show up and, you know, start checking things out. Nice. Right. Well, there's got to be a, you know, registration day is pretty exciting. I'm sure you guys have some, you know, some things planned going on. I remember something about a Sasquatch shoot. You know, I think you paid a little bit of money and it was for donation, you know, whatever. The unicorn to... shoot. Unicorn. Unicorn yeah, shoot. Yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah, tell us what, you know, other than other than just zeroing, what other things, you know, in registration, what other things might happen on that Friday? Uh, Applied Ballistics is bringing out their mobile lab. So anybody that wants to get a custom drag model, uh, they're welcome to bring their rifle out. They do have to sign up prior to. Um, and we'll have links for all that stuff on our Facebook page. Okay. Uh, but they, they can go out and apply ballistics. They can shoot their rifle or, or the AB guys can shoot it for them. And they'll get a custom drag model for for their gun and their load. It's free of charge. It's, it's completely free for the shooters to do. So, of course, we encourage that. Um, we'll have a the oh, a couple side matches, I believe. We got I've got one going on for sure, and and possibly two um, little side matches for some different things, different prizes. Um, that's kind of still in the works, so it's to be determined yet what we'll do there. And then, of course, we have our unicorn shoot. <laughs> That one gets to be kind of contentious. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> it can, yeah. What's the distance on it? 1920? 1960? Okay. 1953, I think. There you go. That's close enough. <clears throat> wow. Nice. They get, what, five rounds for 20 bucks? And 10 rounds. 10 rounds for 20 bucks. They count the number of impacts they get on it. Half the money, half the pot goes to the winner. Most impacts on the target, you can buy in as many times as you want. Okay. And the other half goes to security. Nice. That's, 
Uh, we've got guys, they'll still stay out there until until dark, like until there's no shooting light left. They keep buying in, trying to beat the guy that's closest to them. <laughs> nice. I don't remember what those guys spent, what, two years ago? They spent like 200 and some bucks a piece trying to outdo the other guy. Yeah, I don't remember. It was quite a bit. But, and then they also win a, a custom custom knife made by Mike Fuhr. Nice. That is nice. And uh, so on Saturday, yeah. what time do you start? What time to start? That's on Friday. On so, like end of the shooting day on Saturday. What time does that mm-hmm. kick off? Uh, last year, I think we had the safety brief at seven seven o'clock in the morning. Seven seven thirty. Uh, try to get a little bit early of a start because Saturday is typically our longer day. We mm-hmm. want to try to shoot at least 12 stages on Saturday. Okay. Um, and so we try to get everybody to, to bring all their ammo with them because we're going to shoot, you know, until we're, we can't really shoot anymore. Um, last year, I think we got 12 stages shot on Saturday. And I think we're done by five or six. Do you remember, Pete? Yeah, it was about five o'clock. We were done. I mean, some guys ran a little longer than others, but um, getting that that twelve, thirteen, even fourteen, we'll definitely let guys know first thing in the morning. I know in years past it's been like, yeah, we kind of want to shoot as many as possible, but guys tend to leave their ammo they don't need in the hotel room. Hmm. Which, <laughs> sure, certainly, you need it there. Is that but, so the, uh, the people walk in between each stage? Is that how you get around? They do. Yeah, for the most part. We have, there's a, there's several stages that are a little further kind of removed from the main part of the course, but we we uh, shuttle people out there. So once you're done at the, that'd be the northernmost stage on the main part of the course, then you'll crawl in the trolley and we'll cart you and your gear over to those other stages on the opposite end of the course. And shoot those, and then when you're done there, and the, all those stages are in close proximity to each other. Okay. And if, then once you're done there, you'll crawl back on the trolley and come back over, and they'll take you uh, down to stage one again. So, I mean, the most you would have to walk at any point in the day would be a few hundred yards. Oh, it's not bad at all. I know that those shoots get crowded. Do, do you guys have any, like, cap on if you bring somebody to video, or do you have to okay that with you guys beforehand? Yeah, we so we do have a videographer on on the course this year. Um, we did last year as well. So any anybody that's bringing one or that wants you know does has professional videography, we'll have to they'll have to get that cleared with Tad or myself prior to. Can we bring one? If your if your wife or girlfriend or something like that wants to come and take pictures, Jake already asked me this. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Yeah, I talked to I talked to Pete already. I think, well, I think we're I think well, we we're understanding each other. The reason I ask is I have shot the Vortex Extreme Challenge, and it was an absolute uh-huh. shit show with extra people and bottlenecks, and it was just chaos. <laughs> so, I imagine you guys do kind of put a cap on how many are out there. Yeah, it's there's definitely. I mean, the venue is fairly forgiving with spectators and that kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. as long as they're willing to walk along. Um, there's definitely, it's not crowded. Oh, good. 300 people is, is a lot of people, but it's on, it's on a really big place. There's, you know, once everybody gets spread out on stages, it's not like anybody's standing on top of anybody. So quite a few of the questions that Ryan and I have revolve around the whole, the team aspect of the shooting and, and how, you know, like I said, I shot it in 2019, but it, you know, you were, I don't even think they had teams back then, uh, 
you know, single shooter, nobody could spot for you. You were on your own. So just walk us through a typical stage uh, for the open heavy from the team perspective. You know, are we laying down next to each other? Does one shoot in one spot? How's that going to work? So what you would typically do is pair fire that stage. Hmm. So, and Scott actually started this um, when he was, during his tenure, um, they don't, we don't give stage briefs. First shooter gets the brief first thing in the morning. Everybody else needs to follow in line and, and keep up and watch what's going on. Because with that many shooters, you stop for every squad and give a 20 something minute stage brief and target so on and so forth. It, it burns a lot of time. So what will happen is if you shoot, let's say you shoot first on a stage and this could be team or individual, it wouldn't matter. You shoot, the RO is going to give you that brief, going to show you, point the targets out. Ranges are published. Obviously, if you're, if it, if you want to, if you feel the need, you can rearrange targets. There's nothing, nothing that says you can't. Um, I've heard it, I've heard it said by another maps director, like in his brief, the ranges are all wrong. Range them yourself. Mm. <laughs> um, we do, we range all the targets from the target to a vehicle parked at the shooting position. If you can get a better range than that, have a ball. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, we do everything within our power to give accurate data to the target. Are the target uh, ranges we, only available at the stage position, or will we have ranges prior to getting to the stage? You'll have it. There'll be a published uh, PDF provided prior to the match, so you can look at it in advance. You can print it if you'd like. Um, there'll be a there'll be a copy of the course of fire, the targets on each stage as you walk up to it. So there'll be a sign on the stage, and it says you have four targets. They're all cheap and they're all you know the ranges are 8 10 925 11 and a quarter whatever you know whatever they may be uh, and then you know we we verified that to the limits of our equipment prior to the event giving you the best data we can get um and then so but you're gonna because you're rolling up so once you shoot that first stage you're gonna pick your gear up you're gonna gather all your all your um, brass, every, anything you've got left, and you're going to move. You're going to go to the next stage. And when you get there, there's going to be five, six, eight shooters that still haven't shot. So you're going to you're going to have the and you're going to get in line. You're going to have the opportunity to watch five, six, eight mm-hmm. guys mm-hmm. shoot that stage. So by the time it's your turn to shoot, if you haven't found a target, it's because you haven't tried. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So know, they're definitely not blind. It's times. not a blind stage at all. It's not a blind match. Nope. All the, and obviously if there is still a question, the RO is going to help you out with that, but you're going to use the example of the people in front of you that the RO is helping direct as your course fire, as your brief. Okay. When you said pair fire, does pair fire mean one shooter shoots and then the second shooter shoots and you go back and forth until you're done? Correct. Yep. So you'll help you both engage target one. Hit or miss, move on, and back to shooter one. Shooter one will engage target one. Shooter two will engage target one. And it is a, oh, it's been called a bunch of things, but like a, a dead target format. So if you impact the target, you're done shooting. Mm-hmm. It's a 2-1 scoring. You get two points for the first hit, one point if it takes you to the second round, 
So first round hits are worth more points. That's the way, whether you're a team or an individual, if you want to, if you want to excel at the match, you want first round impacts. You mentioned a PDF is going to be available. Where are the shooters going to find that? So the practice score registration, the match page, okay. we'll have it posted in the match documents portion of that website. We will also, typically I drop that in a, like a Dropbox folder and provide a link to that on the Facebook page as well. Okay. So, and anybody can, you know, download download that and print it ahead of time. If and, so, like. and so guys aren't blowing you up. When are they going to expect that to be there? The, the course of fire itself should be a few weeks prior to the match. Few we won't prior. kick that out any more than maybe three weeks in advance. Okay. And if you don't see it until two weeks before the match, don't panic. It's coming. <laughs> you will see it. You'll have time to print it and analyze it and lose sleep over it before you get on a plane or get in a vehicle and drive west. Well, in your case, east, actually. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we're coming. It's going to take us a we're day shot. to get there and a day to get home. It's going yeah. to be a... It's going to be a blast. We plan on, like uh, like Pete said, we were mentioning, we plan to, this is for the Shoot to Hunt podcast, you know, that we're kind of doing this for. We're giving, we did one episode already where we just talked through like our thought process for picking cartridges and barrels and bullets and, and what we're going to go through to kind of get ready and prep for the stage because we're, we're both pretty competitive uh, and, we're, and we're completely inexperienced other than hunting. So we wanted to give guys kind of our our perspective of, of what we had to go through to get there and then of course we're recording this with you guys now we'll do another one after we've been shooting the rifles right before we head out to your place uh we'll do one at your place and then one when we get back and just kind of give the give the the majority of the people that, that don't get to do stuff like this a perspective and i think it'd be pretty awesome all the way around so that was kind of the goal especially with bringing you guys on we want to have the most information we can and try and be successful and we plan on doing quite a bit of practice and yeah, we plan on shooting seven PRC. We got to go out with Peterson uh, to Peterson's factory here, what, two, three weeks ago. Uh, we got to see the first seven PRC Peterson brass being made, and we got to bring some back with us. So we're going to shoot seven PRCs with uh, 198 tips and see how that does before we get out there. That should be a good cartridge. How many total stages are there, guys? This year, um, we're going to change the course fire up a little bit. Um, so that's kind of still to be determined, um, but it'll be around 20. I think last year there was 22, I believe. Um, there won't be any more than that, but there there may be less. So you can figure, plan around 20 stages. Um, if you shoot a perfect match, you'll shoot generally four rounds per stage, um, up to eight. Okay. So max round count 160. Max. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably plan for 200 just to be on the safe side in okay. case we get a crazy thought and change something <laughs> kind of extreme on a couple stages. And if you want to we shoot that unicorn. Stage. Yeah, yep, yeah, bring extra for the unicorn for sure. I'm going to need at least 100 rounds for that. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the, the target sizes, on, I mean, obviously it dictates on how far it is, but do you guys have like an MOA standard per yard per distance or is it is it change or just random? It's two to three minutes. Okay. Yeah, it's most targets are are, mo, are, are close to life size, you know, 60, 70%. Some of the targets we don't do life size just because the amount of steel it would take to do mm-hmm. a life yeah. size elk. But 15% um, T Rexes. Oh, really? Yeah, we got some smaller T Rexes. Um, the unicorn, 
we're destined to be about 50% life size of the lesser Great Plains unicorn species. <laughs> <laughs> Do these, any of these targets, yeah. these targets have indicators or no? The far ones or no? Yeah. Yeah. We'll have target indicators on them. Any movers? <laughs> One. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you know, again, from from the beginner perspective, from the the non experienced competitor perspective, is there anything that's that's let's say that's not allowed within the team's operation, equipment that's not allowed, or just shit that's just straight up taboo in the competition environment, so we don't embarrass ourselves? I'm not going to tell you that. We want to watch this fun too. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it's pretty hard to game this match. Um, I mean, you're shooting an average target distance of probably 1,200, 1,300 yards with any amount of wind up to and including 65, 70 miles an hour. Mm. <laughs> um, if you think having a different bipod is going to help you that much, I mean, bring it. It's there. It's a field-prone match. There's, there's really no way to, to really game it. There's no way to... I mean, you're you're at the mercy of Mother Nature most mm-hmm. of the time. Is it 100 percent belly shooting, prone? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, all field prone. And do you guys, being that you've been around uh, since the beginning, do you guys see that a certain type of cartridge, certain size of cartridge, certain caliber of bullet tends to do well? In other words, the the guys that are finishing top ten, is there some consistency that you see there? We consistently see the, the guys who put in the time at the top, regardless nice. of what gun they're behind. We've had guys compete and do well with dashers. The Shit. first couple years that we did this, we had some guys do good with dashers. Well, that answers that right there. Didn't a guy with a 6.5 PRC so, win? You, you better bring your A game if you're bringing a dasher, but it can be done. <laughs> but, and, and I'm going to name drop... Um, uh, Oh, no, no. oh, Kevin, Kevin Ditto. I was, I forgot his name. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> um, Kevin came out and shot it with a 308 and did, did well with it too. He was in the top Actually, 10, uh, I think. Sean did too. Did he? I can't remember. Five years ago. Yeah. He shot, uh, he shot 308 that year as well. Nice. So, so it's, you know, a lot of the, the faster cartridges, the six fives and the sevens, um, even the 300, 300 Norma has done well in the past. Um, some of the bigger guns, some guys have done well with the 338s, but, um, I would say between six, five and 30 caliber are going to be your, kind of your top performers, okay. but that's not necessarily the case either. It's really challenging to shoot 160 rounds of a big bore. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's, that's a you really, you really do have, there's a level of focus that it takes. And, you know, you, you put a good break on a six, five or a seven, it's, it's quite mild. And you guys are obviously mitigating that with weight as well. Mm-hmm. But, do you guys see more breaks or suppressors? Probably more breaks. Predominant breaks. Yeah. Gotcha. Cause I didn't that- You probably maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of 20%. Hands. Okay. Interesting. What's your guys' thoughts on that? Breaks or cans? I'm asking for a friend. Uh, team dynamic, a can is actually kind of useful. Yeah, I imagine. You, you don't have that big 
um, the big cloud of dust because it's we're kind of dealing with a moon dust environment out there, especially if it's if it's dry, super dry. It's been it's been both. Last year was one of the wettest years we had, but it's we a lot of times are dealing with a you know that moon dust environment, and when a break goes off, it can be not only distracting but the amount of dust that comes off of that is actually prevents you from seeing what's going on yeah um communication just you know being able to to hear each other hear correction um when you're in a team environment is can, can be helpful for sure mm-hmm. you guys i know i listened to you guys' first podcast about it and you know having having clones of each other is is helpful especially you know particularly with the wind game yeah, Ryan tends to be a better wind caller than me. And we are, I would say we're a little fortunate at this point to have, you know, a shop that's building rifles and ammo and all this good stuff. We have, it's basically what we do for most of our life. So we'll have the opportunity to practice quite a bit. We're not going to come out there uh, with a freshly built rifle for sure. Um, and we're, we're, we're real, I'm looking forward to it. Cause like I said, we, I've only shot one competition and, and I really feel like this will help. Um, I shit, I suck at wind call. So it's going to help me with hunting and yeah. So Ryan's your wind bit. He is my wind bitch. I said, I'll take the first shot and then you fucking correct it so you can hit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we were shooting in the, we were shooting the mountains last year and I called, did a wind call for him. We we're shooting like 1500 yards and he's like, no fucking way. Yeah. And he center punched in. He's like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. He okay. called, he called like two or three minutes of wind on someone. I was like, there's no fucking way, dude. There's nothing even moving. And then of course, dead center fucking impact. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> Pure luck. What, what? A, Go ahead. There's a, uh, the problem is there that, if you miss, you got no excuses because he already burnt him in the dirt and showed you where the wind was. <laughs> exactly. That's nice. why he's shooting first. I'll look good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. If he if he's calling wind and and he misses anyway, but now you've got a good wind call and you miss, <laughs> you just suck. How uh, what, you guys have done it for quite a few years now? What kind of wind average do you see? I know it could be extreme because he of weather. Like, he's seen seventy miles. Yeah, an but hour, like so. average, yeah, yeah, average yeah. year. What's the wind look well, like? The venue's in so, a wind farm. Yeah, it's in a wind farm. There's great big wind turbines if that's an indicator. Well, it's so gonna make on, it fun. On, on Friday, you guys will come. Yeah, Friday, you guys will come out and zero your rifles. We do have some targets that you can shoot and kind of gather some dope and shoot a team of corn and all that stuff. And it'll probably be fairly calm because that's just the way it is. <laughs> uh, then match day, it'll probably be, be anywhere between 15 and 30. Just because that's the way it is. Yesterday you get to zero in calm winds and get your dope in calm winds, and today we get to get to test it. So uh, I'm bringing my 13 year old kid with us, so he can be our. Which I guess he'll be our bag bitch. But he's a uh, he's super excited about going <laughs> and attending. He actually, so he he was with me too in the in the first the first time we shot it in 2019. It was much smaller then, but uh, his big question was revolving around snacks and food. Of course. It's a good so question. Food, snacks, water. I know you guys said you know that you guys got kind of a center of operation for all the different stages, but what's going to be available for people and what should we put in our backpack, you know, other than lunch and, and the normal stuff? Zach totally misunderstood you. I thought you said fat sex and food, not snacks. Oh <laughs> I heard the same it's thing. Advanced thirteen year old. Food, food, <laughs> snacks, and water. <laughs> <laughs> That makes way more sense. Uh, <laughs> nice. Hey, that's gonna be that's gonna be the little start of the podcast. That's gonna be, that's the, gonna start, be the little yeah. the little snippet. Yeah. I thought you said fat sex. 
<laughs> nice. Um, so we'll, we'll we provide... both heard the same thing. Yeah, well, I'm glad it wasn't just me. <laughs> so we'll we'll provide lunches. Um, Saturday we'll have just a kind of a little sack lunch for everybody that we'll deliver. Uh, in years past, we've had a caterer cater our, our meals for us, and that's not really going to change other than kind of how we do it. Um, there's been times where people just haven't taken a break to grab their lunch as they walk by. So we're going to make sure that everybody gets fed on Saturday and Sunday, a quick little, little snack. Um, depending on what time we get done Sunday, that'll determine kind of what we do there. But then Saturday, we're going to change it up just a little bit. Saturday, we're going to do, um, kind of a, a bigger barbecue barbecue after the, the match. Um, and we'll kind of get get through some of the some of the post match awards, you know, kind of that ceremony stuff. Kind of get it out of the way on Saturday. So we'll do like the um, the awards for the the unicorn shoot. Um, we'll have the caterer there at the park in Glen Rock, um, you know, so everybody can have kind of a nicer meal, sit down on some benches and eat rather than in, in all the dust and the wind. Um, spend some time, you know, camaraderie, visiting, meeting new people, doing whatever, maybe do the RO cause we'll have an RO class as well. And so maybe Saturday night we'll do the RO awards and, and kind of give those guys their recognition. And So that's, and that's Saturday night. That's at a separate location in Glen Rock from where we're going to shoot, where yes, everybody's going to yes, transport exactly. over to that area and then do this dinner and award yep. ceremony. Okay. Yep, and that's and it'll just kind of abbreviate Sunday post match. I mean, we know everybody's got a lot of travel uh, that they need to get back. So the sooner we can get done on Sunday, um, you know, it's just better for everybody. Sunday we'll still still do the the main awards, and it'll be at the same location. Okay. Um, but it'll just be more abbreviated because we've taken care of a good portion of it on Sunday. Din- dinner again on Sunday night too. Uh, yeah, we'll probably have a lunch there on 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 Sunday. Okay. Well, perfect. Well, he got his questions answered, so that means he needs to pack around his Takis and Red Bulls and shit in the backpack then. <laughs> yep, yep. Nice. Uh, what form, uh, when, the, when, the, when the team guys are communicating with each other and they're talking dope and they're they're looking at targets and things like that, uh, you know, I, I bought this, like, electronic board thing. But anyways, I'm, I'm asking because are these guys, do they have the little white boards that hang off the side of their rifle? Uh, you know, each guy has his own dope kind of thing. Or what do you guys see with the team communication for, for dope target location, uh, communication, you know, just while they're shooting that stage? You want, to, you want the good parts or the bad parts? I want it all. Yeah. They went the good and the bad and the ugly. I mean, some of them sound like old married couples. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> Like, dude, what the fuck were you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you, a full fucking rev off? Yeah. Dude, I didn't even see it. Where did it go? <laughs> I wasn't even ready. Yeah. Anything you can imagine, it's been said. Okay. But then there's the other ones that just grunt at each other, and they hit everything. Nice. Those are the practiced ones. Yeah. They're like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I imagine you guys have seen some divorces out that. there, too. Telepathy. Telepathy. Yeah. Uh, on I I own a gear review site, so I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. Do you guys see any many scopes go down out there? Every year. Can you tell us what yeah. they are? This like like Pete was talking. This place is full of moon dust, so you're uh-huh. going to have dirt. 
in places you didn't know you could get it. Uh, gotcha. Interesting. Any mechanical device in that environment will go down eventually. I mean, we've had, if, if I was to point out, oh, these go down more than others, I'd be lying to you because I think in the eight years, we have seen every single brand of optic go down. You know, but that's, I mean, you're talking triggers. about and triggers. Yeah, triggers are actually probably worse than optics. That's what I was just going to ask in, you. Have you seen any triggers or rifles go down? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got, well, and then. Um, well, what trigger do you guys run so it doesn't go down? <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I run I run a trigger tech diamond, but I've seen like like Pete says, everybody, every brand we've seen of, of every different piece of equipment or gear has failed at some point. Got it. Well, we're gonna have some spare fucking triggers in the backpack. <laughs> what nerd and luggage. Yeah, yeah, if you if you have, if you have the ability to bring some spare parts, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Nice. What uh, trigger what, tech? Trigger tech's pretty good. To do. Yeah. What mistakes do you see shooters doing the most? Um, not probably the gear, maybe. What's that? That one and not trusting their gear. Mm. You know, when, when your Kestrel tells you it's two and a half mils of wind and you look at it and you're like, there's no way. No, there probably is. <laughs> That's going to be Jake. Jake I already, already argues I already with me anyways. I do not. I already <laughs> promised Ryan. I say, Ryan, I don't tell you. I don't care if you tell me it's 10 minutes of wind and it's fucking not a wind to lick it, you know, not a lick of wind in the air. I, I'm going to listen to everything that you say. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> what, are these, what are these minutes you speak of? What the, oh, minutes of wind? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess I should. I should. I guess I shouldn't say minutes of what. What am I supposed to say? Mills of wind. Mills. Mills. Tents. We are going to. you want. We are going to be shooting the mills. You say. You say it like an alien. For <laughs> alien for meals. You know what happens is, is a, I, I I talk with so many new shooters. You know, getting into a rifle and they're looking to buy the Kestrel and buy a rangefinder and things like this. That I get. You know, I get in the habit of telling them that minutes are easier to understand for beginners and. And I often, I guess, I guess I often forget that I shoot yeah. So yeah, telling so many guys to shoot MOA, it is easier to understand for beginners, hundred percent. But is is there any other shoots out there like this? If somebody came to this and they love it and they can go shoot another one this year, is there anything else like it? There's actually one, um, a very similar shoot. It's sponsored by KRG. Um, it's much smaller. It's a one day match. Um, and it's, I'm trying to remember, Tad, do you remember? Uh, it's Brett, uh, Brett Dorland. Or What's that? Brett Dorland? Yeah, Brett Dorland's match. There you go. Hmm. He and Chris Davis putting it on. And it's a it's a few weeks prior, or maybe a month prior. Um, and it's, you know, the, um, Brett actually ROs for us usually. Um, he's just, those guys really enjoy the, the ELR matches that's kind of their their niche nice. and um they're, they're putting that match on i don't honestly i don't think that one's sold out either really speaking of that is there any if somebody listens to this podcast and they want to try to get into yours is there any way possible are you guys done say that again i'm sorry if somebody listens to this podcast and they want to see if they can still get in is there any way possible Do you guys have a waiting list or how does that work 
we do. You can still sign up on the wait list on practice score. It's just, you know, night four CLR seal challenge. Um, if you search that on practice score, you can get on the wait list. Um, there, and if you watch the Facebook page, this happens every year. I've gone through it, you know, umpteen times. Um, everybody has things change, you know, circumstances, whatever. And they end up trying to sell their spot on the Facebook page, you know, in a few weeks in advance. I can almost guarantee you that there'll be at least 10 to 15 spots that will pop up pretty short notice. But if you know you want to go and you take the time off of work um, ahead of time, because I know guys got to schedule their schedule their time off of work a little further than a couple of weeks in advance. Usually um, you can, you can bet that there'll be some spots that come up available on the Facebook page from, you know, somebody had a death in the family or somebody had some kind of illness or um, whatever, you know, they're, they, I, <laughs> if I wrote down the list of things for with, withdrawals <laughs> that I've had for the match, it's like, it, 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 it would be comical. I've had either. some really good ones, but at any rate, you know, things come up where guys can't make it. Yeah. And so those those spots typically get posted on the Facebook page for sale. And so if, if somebody's interested in coming and, and they know they can make it for sure, what that would be the place to watch. Tell, tell us about your guys' sponsor, all the different sponsors for the match, unless it's too long of a list, but tell us about your sponsors and, and, and what they do for the match. Oh, it's a, it's a list. Tad's got, you have that in front of you, Tad? I don't. Uh, Hold on. I can pull it up. I've got my is, computer. Is on. Night Force one of them? <laughs> I would assume so. <laughs> <laughs> who were who were the next biggest sponsors in line after Night Force there? Um, AI AI's been a big big supporter in the course of applied ballistics. Okay. Interesting. I'll uh, I'll pull up the list. We've got a and most of these sponsors are they are they donating stuff for the prize tables? I mean, what are what are they doing? What is their role in the competition as far as being a sponsor? It, it kind of runs the gamut. So we have uh, we have sponsors that contribute um, on a cash basis, where they they maybe pay for a meal or they pay for some other portion of the match. But then there is, you know, the bulk of the sponsors are, are contributing to prize table items. Okay. You know, they're wanting to see their products in front of the guys that are using them. So. And how um, does how does a company or a business become a sponsor in that way? Do they just contact you guys and say, hey, we'd like to donate some stuff for the table? How does that work? So we've been in the process of sending out uh, emails and phone calls to different companies. Um, but we surely can't catch them all. So mm -hmm. if anybody, um, you know, hasn't been contact, contacted by us, by all means, hit us up. Uh, info at nfelr.com is a good email. Um, or we can throw out our phone numbers or whatever. and We'd be happy to, to make it work for them. Okay. All right. Is there anything that uh, we didn't ask you that you want well, to put I got, out there? I got you, one oh. last one. Oh. I remember one of the one of the defining memories from the 2019 <laughs> shoot was oh God. on a Sunday. The second day is halfway through the match. It, it rained a little bit, but the mosquitoes came out of nowhere and were fucking eating me alive. 
And I remember one stage in particular where there was one literally crawling in my ear as I'm in the rifle trying to get the the, the stage done. But my question is, is, are the mosquitoes as bad on this new ranch location or do you have, you know, or was that just a really bad year I was there? They're worse. They're worse. Yeah. Way, way worse. The, on, the, on the match venue itself, you're going to have everything, uh, horse flies, mosquitoes. Um, the mosquitoes will be probably primarily the worst, though, at the park. It's mm-hmm. right next to the river. Mm-hmm. They're as big as metal arcs. Shoot. So lots of spray, mosquito head nets. What do you guys do? I'm, so- <laughs> I'm Pray for wind. Pray for wind. Blowing <laughs> 70 miles an hour, mosquitoes can't navigate, so it's less of a concern. Okay. Uh, how's the jackalope population this year? The jackalopes? Yeah. Strong. 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 <laughs> Epic. Well, you guys sound fun. Mm. I'm looking forward to meeting you guys in person. This will be pr- pretty awesome. <laughs> We're excited. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anything we missed? Anything no, you guys want to cover? Ed? Uh, I can't think of anything. <laughs> We've probably forgotten it all, but... Um, <laughs> probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is... This has been uh, a lot of fun for Tad and I both. I mean, we we helped Tad probably more so than I um, helped Scott with this for several years. I've been involved with it for, for six years now, Tad, from, since the very beginning. And, you know, the, the match continues to grow and evolve. And, you know, we kind of listen to what people have to say about it in previous years and stuff. And we keep trying to make it better every year. So we're just we're really hopeful that everybody enjoys it and keeps coming back and it, it did sell out in like 26 hours or something like that this year. And, yeah. And uh, at a higher level than we've ever had. So, um, that's, that's thrilling for us. We, you know, we, we enjoy having everybody and, oh, I, I'm going to grouch and cuss somebody, but it's done weekends over. But at the end of the day, we really do, you know, enjoy putting it on. Nice. Well, I think we covered, uh, you know, as a beginner, not knowing anything about the competition, I think we pretty much covered all the logistical match food type of questions people might have. So, you know, we'll definitely be directing people uh, towards the podcast to listen to that. And and you guys feel free to do the same. I'm sure you guys will have more opportunities to to put information out there. But um, like myself, I don't have Facebook. I've never, I've never had Facebook. I'm not sure Ryan spends much time on there either. Um, as far as social media goes, uh, but again, the PDF coming out on practice score will be great for the course of fire, at least a couple weeks before the match. And, you know, if, it, if it's not for Facebook, is there any other way for guys to keep up with the, the updates you guys are going to be putting out? Uh, right now, that's primarily the, the avenue that we've been using. Okay. Awesome. Well, All we appreciate right. you guys. Yeah, and for the listeners out there, we are going to have a few more podcasts on the uh, Night Force ELR Steel Challenge, and we're going to have a video. But if you have any questions for me or Jake, in the meantime, get a hold of us at podcast at shoottohunt.com or DM us on Instagram at shoottohunt. Thanks for listening. <laughs>